Okay, in Matthew 11, verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and prudent, and has revealed them unto babes, little ones. And, and God always has his little ones. And uh, those little ones, they're hid in Christ. And uh, he has so much to reveal to us. And then it says, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. And he's saying this as he's been completely rejected by his own people. But yet he knows that rejection has been allowed by his Father. And so he says, even so, for it seemed good in your sight. And of course, that, that rejection that he was experiencing, and it was very, very personal because, you know, so many times we think of, we think of, of, of uh, God in Christ. He's very, he's very God, but he, he's, he's very human. It's such an unbelievable thing when you consider it. I mean, he's very, very human, and yet, in Hebrews 4.15, we, we have not a high priest who can't be touched by the feelings of all our infirmities. But he himself, it says, was tested like us, like in the sense that there was never any sin nature in him. So there was never anything that would tempt him in the sense that we were tempted. That's because it goes on to say in that verse, yet without sin. And that sin, when it's singular like that, is always talking about the sin nature. Yet without sin. So he had no sin nature, but... And we've said before, as he looked around, and he was learning obedience in Hebrews 5, verse 8, and in, in Hebrews 2, uh, verse 10, he was learning obedience by the things that he would suffer. In other words, his suffering. I mean... For no reason he was hated without a cause. But he, he was God, but he was human, perfectly human. So he felt pain, but without a sin nature. I mean, can you imagine perfect humanity and, and feeling pain and feeling rejection for no cause whatsoever? They... The psalmist said in Psalm 69, verse 4, he said, those that hate me are more than the hairs of my head. And that was spoken in the spirit of Christ, that psalm that, that David and those psalmists wrote, that was spoken in the spirit of Christ when he would come and fulfill all of those. And that's why when Jesus was on the cross in our place, bearing all of our burden, taking care of who we were, taking care of what we did and why he would cry out in Matthew 27, verse 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, he knew to the nth degree what it was like to be forsaken and left all alone and with all of our sins on him. And that's why he would fulfill that because in Psalm 22, verse 1, the psalmist said, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so he knew all of that. He, he felt the pain. He felt that, that loneliness. He felt that rejection. 
And yet it says, yet without sin. And uh, But nevertheless, he really felt it in his humanity. And he knew all of that was from his father. He said, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So in other words, it was good. God considered it, God the Father considered it good for his son and his humanity to go through all of that for us, for us. And the reason is, that's why we can say, like we read this morning in Romans 8, 31, Psalm 56, verse 9, God is for me. And when these enemies come against us, we just cry out. We can cry out. When those enemies come against us, we cry out. Why? The psalmist said, for I know that God is for me. And so it was good, Jesus said. And then he said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. He knew that through all the loneliness, the pain, and the, and the rejection, that it was going to be good for him. And it was going to be good for him because he knew that it would be good for so many of us for all eternity. And it would be good for us even in time so that we, we had a place, a hiding place, a place to go to. So he said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And he said, no man knows the Son but the Father. And neither knows any man the Father except the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. And that's why he could say, come unto me. Why? All things were delivered of him, of the Father. And he could say, come unto me, because he felt pain like we could never feel. We, we, he knew that we would feel pain, and we would feel rejection, and we would feel hurt. But that's why he could say, you, you come unto me. Because I've gone through it all. It was good that I would go through this because this was designed for me to go through for you by my Father and I. And of course the Holy Spirit would come and reveal the truth of that. So he said, come unto me. And we've said before, we don't have to wait now, he waits, we said this morning in Isaiah 30, verse 18. But we don't have to wait, but we do sometimes because of who we are at times in our weakness and in, in, in our failures and so forth. We don't come. But he's there waiting for us to come. And that's a beautiful picture of the, the prodigal in Luke, the 15th chapter. We see the beautiful picture of while the son was out the whole time in rebellion, spending all that he had that was given to him of his father, which he didn't even have a right to get at that particular time from his father, but his father still gave it to him because he knew that in spending it, he would come to the end of himself. And the end of, like we've said so many times, the end of self-help and the end of self-hope. <clears throat> and then he would come to himself and even that he could come to himself even in that sense because of, of the father the way in, 
his memory how his father had treated him and the way that he was towards him. But he, he didn't come back until he was in his rags. And, so, and a lot of times that's, that's how it is with us. We have to get to the end of ourselves and get to see that really, what do we have? You know, and even Isaiah 64, verse 6, says that all their righteousness is as filthy rags. And that means we, there's nothing that we can do to cause God to want to accept us, that he already hasn't accepted us in his son. That's why Jesus said, you can come unto me. And, and don't delay. Don't delay. But even when we do, he's waiting for us. He's waiting. And so he says, come unto me. Who? All ye that labor. All of you that are labor. All of you that are experiencing pain, experiencing suffering, and all of the effects that come as a, as a cause uh, of that. You can come unto me. All you that labor. We've said before that labor in this sense can mean that, that you and I have sinned or you and I have failed. When we sin and when we fail, what are we to do? Are we to withdraw? Or what is his desire for us? Is to draw near. That's why James 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then you cleanse your hands, you sinners, and then you purify your heart, you double-minded. So don't stay away when you fail. Don't stay away when you experience pain and suffering. Come to me, because I know what it's like. I went through it for you. And so, come unto me. And then it says, all ye, all of you that are heavy laden. And heavy laden can mean that people have hurt us. And boy, did Jesus ever experience that. Can you imagine? His own people said in Mark 3, verse 21, that he is crazy. He's beside himself. Here he is, God in a human body. Very human, though, too. And all that love that he had for them, and they said that he was crazy. His own half-brothers and sisters, half only in the sense of his biological, but certainly not him being the Son of God. But in John 7, verse 5, his brothers and sisters, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't see God in him, who he was. You know, And it's just like family at times for some of us. They, they don't see God in us. I used to think, you know, and, and even through all of my struggles and my failures in my early years, I would always think, I mean, they don't even see Jesus in me even a little bit. They, they don't see him, you know. And in some cases, I couldn't blame them. <laughs> But I knew that Jesus was there because he, he was there. Even in my alone times and in my hurtful times, he was there. And so he says, come unto me, all of you that have been hurt by people. You come unto me. And you know what? I'll give you rest. I will give you the rest that I am. And then I will give you the peace I'll give you peace in John 14, verse 27. Not as the world gives, but I am going to give you the greatest manifestation 
of rest and peace. It's me. He always wants to give us more than give us things. He does. He, he gives us himself. And that's what gives us the rest and the peace. He loves to give us things to bless us. But our rest and our peace is only found in him. And that's why he says, you come to me and keep coming and don't stop. And even when we do stop, all he's doing is waiting to be gracious. Because in John 1 verse 14, he is the fullness of grace and truth. And sometimes he has to wait till we receive grace so we can receive and experience the truth of who he is in us at all times. He never, in Joshua 1.5, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he never leaves us nor forsakes us, ever. He doesn't leave us. So he says, come unto me and learn of me. Here is this, and in this sense, here is this only patient witness of love. He's the only patient one. I mean, really. He truly is the only truly, really, fully, completely, always patient one. And he is a witness of this great love. He's the witness. So he says, come unto me and take my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am ready to, to teach you and in my teaching all I'm doing is I'm giving you everything of who I am. That's what it means, you know, with the Holy Spirit who is really our teacher. In 1 John 2, verse 27 and in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, he's our teacher and he takes the things of Christ and he shows them unto us. And what he does is he shows us continually who he is in us and who we are in him. And continually the voice is, come unto me. <coughs> are you laboring? Are you struggling? Come. Don't withdraw from love, the thing that we very much need, and then receiving that love we have rest, and in that rest we have incredible peace. Don't, don't withdraw, but draw near. Draw near to me. Draw near. Because when you do draw near to me, you will see that all of God's thoughts are continually towards you. Every single one of them. And we are his little ones, by the way. That's who we are. Babes, he reveals it unto babes. He's going to continually reveal God's eternal thoughts. And they could be manifested to us. And that's what Jesus was saying. He is saying, remember in John 17, verse 4, he said, I have finished the work. Had he actually literally gone to the cross yet? No. But as far as he was concerned, he had already finished the works. They were already finished. Of course, he was the lamb in Revelations 13, verse 8 that was slain before the foundation of the world. They were finished. But he came to be the full manifestation 
of really what God had already accomplished on our behalf, even before we were born, even before any trouble could come to us, or any of it, trouble or struggles or anything, his thoughts were towards us. And they could be manifested to us. Why? Because, and they could be expressed. He could manifest his thoughts towards us and express himself towards us in and through Jesus Christ. And he could do that. And they could be felt by you and I. Why? Because when, when Christ was saying this, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, he knew the place where he was going where that was going to be accomplished, and that was on Calvary. That was on the cross. Where all of his thoughts for you and I, we could now experience them. His eternal thoughts, we could experience them in time because Jesus came in time. Where, where do we struggle? Where are our problems? Where is the pain? It's all in time. It's all in time. But the eternal one, and he is our eternal life in 1 John 5, verse 11. He is our eternal life. That's why he could say, we said this morning in Revelations 1, verse 8, he is our alpha, our beginning. And he is our omega. He is our end. The whole time the prodigal was out there, away from the father. Was, he, was the father still his alpha? And his omega? Yes. He was waiting for him every single day. Then he, when he finally came to himself and came back on his way to his father, he was in his rags. He was in rags. Right? And guess what? The father, what, what was he doing? The whole way back, the whole way back, when the, when the prodigal was coming back to the father, the whole way back, he was forming thoughts about his father based upon himself. <laughs> he was basing how the father would be upon, about his own thoughts about himself. Must have been a long trip back. But he said, he did say, I do remember that my father, the way he even treated the servants that we had, treated them pretty awesome. So I'm thinking that, okay, he won't accept me back as a son, but maybe he will hire me as a servant and I could just work for him so I could experience the love. And, he's and he comes back and he opens his mouth. When he sees the father and the father's running towards him and he wants to confess these thoughts I'm not worth, he can't even get it out. And the father is on his neck in his rags. And we've said before, the neck, that speaks of our will, our self-will. And the father is on his neck, kissing him in his rags. And then, of course, you know, as a celebration. Why? Because the moment that that son crossed the threshold to leave his father that was already planned for him when he came back because his, his father knew that he was coming back he knew and he had all of that ready for him and that's what Jesus says to us come unto me come unto me 
all of you that labor and you're heavy laden. So when you do, you're going to experience incredible thoughts. You're going to experience that I am for you. Before you fail, while you're failing, after you fail, you're going to see that I'm for you. I'm for you. And no one can be against you. But God knows. He knows us. He knows that our minds, yes, they are so little. Does. He knows how little our minds are. And he knows just how much they can hold. Even of him. He knows that. So you know what he does? He holds it all for us. Until he can make it ours. I think it's awesome. And he holds it all in Jesus. And that's what it means when, it said, when he says, I'm waiting to be gracious. I'm holding it for you because it's yours. And you may not be able to experience it now the way I so deeply desire you to. But I'm holding it for you. I'm holding it for you. Because it's yours and no one else's. My thoughts toward you. And he knows that what we can hold and that we can't hold only. We can only hold a certain measure, even of great sorrow. We can only hold a measure of great truth, and he holds it for us. And I, I love the way he is, because he knows what he's going to do. He knows expressly what he's going to do in us, even before we get there. Seriously. He knows that because it's his thought about us in Christ. So he, even before we get there, he loves us and treats us like we are. You know why? Because we are in his son. Yeah, we're, we're in his son. And he has a, a robe. That's right. And it's ours. He has a ring for us and it's ours. And then, and then there's going to be a great celebration. But you think the whole the, from the time that he his foot crossed that threshold, right? And he was away from his father even before he left that house. But did it change his father's love for him? No. I mean, as soon as he crossed that threshold and left, you think the father was waiting for him? As soon as we, in our experience, leave the preciousness of his love and his thoughts for us, does that love and his thoughts of us ever leave us? Nope. That's why it says again in Isaiah 30, verse 18, he's waiting to be gracious. His son has dealt with everything about us. He's removed it. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed everything that come, could come between us. And then he sent his son, Jesus. When he put on humanity, he removed all distance between us and him. We can't outrun him. Nope. And we can, we can hide. And sometimes we can even hide from ourselves. We can't hide from his love. You read Psalm 139, especially those verses like 7 through 12. We can't hide from him. We can't. 
we cannot hide from a love that's conquered everything that would keep him from us. We can't. We can't outrun him. So we, we, we are to come unto him. And we are we're to learn of him. In other words, he doesn't expect us all at once. I think sometimes we, we do. I have to confess. I expect way too much of myself. Way more than what he does in his patience and in his love. And we expect more out of each other at times, too. We really do. That's why in, in 2 Timothy uh, 2, verse 24, it says the servant of the Lord must not strive. You know, we're all his servants. Yes, we are. We all have the capacity to serve him. Because he's given us that in Christ. He has. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be what? But be gentle. And where does that start? David said in Psalm 18, in, in, in verse 30 and 35, he said, his gentleness made me great. Yet we had, maybe we had great sorrow. Maybe David, and he did. Maybe he had great struggles and problems in his life, and he did. He did. But God's gentleness towards him made him great. That's right. Made him very great. And so we thank God tonight that in first uh, in first Corinthians, what's the first thing? Love is what? What's the first thing that it is? It's patient. And God wants us to have his patience for ourselves first. <coughs> Because if we're not patient and let him do in us what he's already done and not to hold our own failures and our own struggles against ourselves. He doesn't want that. Because those are not who we are. That's not who we are. We're not our struggles. We're not our failures. We're not our worst day. And he wants us to be gentle, to receive his gentleness. Because love, when we experience it, and don't resist it, and we don't allow anything in us to resist that love, then we're going to experience joy. And you know whose joy we're going to experience? His joy. He gets great joy when we allow him. Can you believe this? That's true when we allow him to love us at all times we really do it's very hard at times especially when or if we could be in the flesh it would be very hard but it doesn't stop his love we need to be he wants us to be gentle towards ourselves in, in response to his love for us because then, then that's when we are that way towards others so the servant of the Lord must not strive. You know, even in, a, in our relationship with God, he, he doesn't want us to be argumentative. Ooh, towards him, doesn't. Uh, but to be gentle. Allow him, allow him to be gentle towards us. In a beautiful way. And then we're to take his yoke. We, when we take his yoke upon us, boy, what do we experience? We experience then 
that his burden is easy. Our burden becomes easy. Why? When we take his yoke upon us, because our burden is his. And we need to yoke up with him. Come unto him and yoke up with him immediately. When the pressure comes, when doubt or the fears for any of us that start to come upon us, instantly we're to yoke up with the one. Yoke up with him. Because his it's it's easy. His burden is easy and his and his yoke is what? It's light. And that's what things, our situations and our circumstances become when we yoke up with him. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to yoke up with him, receive his love, receive his gentleness, and boy, I'll tell you, it makes us great because of his great love. That gentleness made David great because it was a love that would never fail him. And so we have him to come to. We take his yoke upon us and we learn of him for he is what? He's meek. And he's lowly. And, and really it means Jesus saying, yoke up with me. Because I'm gentle and I'm humble. What do we need at all times? We need a love that's gentle and always humble. And he wants us to yoke up with him at all times. And not to withdraw when the pain or the hurt or the failure or whatever it is comes. Immediately he says, you come unto me. You're my little one. You can't do it. You can't. And he has to allow us. You know, it's like the, like the mom and the dad. They have to allow the little kid to, when he's first learning to walk, he's going to fall. He's going to fall. But what does the mom and the dad do? He picks a child up. And then we're to trust him, right? Just like the parent says, okay, come. Where's little ones? And when we come, there's the place of security there's the place of rest. And, and there's the place of all of his thoughts towards us. And when we yoke up with him, through yoking up with Jesus, we receive all his thoughts about us. And then those thoughts clear out anything that's not of him. He won't fail nor forsake us. Joshua 1.5 we said, I will not fail you, nor forsake you. He won't. He'll never leave us, nor forsake us. He's waiting to be gracious. He's right there. And the whole time, we may be feeding on things that we shouldn't be, just like the prodigal. The father has got the celebration already. That's the father's thoughts towards us. Here we are thinking... I mean, what, what were we thinking even before we did what we did? But then after we do it, then what are our thoughts? Somehow we've got to earn our way back when he's already preparing a feast for us and a celebration. <coughs> he, he always does. In that sense, he leaves the 99 because they're okay, but not the one, and he has to go after them. And what does he do? You know, and sometimes we, 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 we saw this, that the shepherd, for that one little sheep, sometimes it feels like God is hurting us in a sense, but what he's doing is like what the shepherd would do. 
with a little sheep that just kept going astray and had to break their legs. Yeah. So it would stray from him. Ooh, I'd rather, I'd rather stay and not stray. <laughs> rather keep my legs and not have to have to be snapped. But unfortunately with me, yeah, i got to break the legs. You wouldn't believe how many breaks I have. They go all the way up here. <laughs> and it takes a lot to break that thing. But <laughs> he wants us to take, to take his yoke. because then we're going to learn of him. And then he is going to give us what? When we take his yoke upon us, what does he give us? Rest. There's, there's rest when we allow him to love us. Amen?